of Change. I'm your host for today, Dr. John, and I am the fitness psychologist. We've got an amazing show for you today, but first, just want to let you guys know that I appreciate you very much. There's no fee for listening to the show. The only thing that we ask is that you leave us a five-star review. If something resonates with you, if uh, there's any value added for you after listening, uh, leave us a review and five stars, and uh, that's the way we can keep this all going in the right direction and continue to uh, put out content for you guys. Have an amazing show for you today, and as you guys well know from the last podcast, our initial one, the mind-body connection is very important to us, and we are looking at the different ways that we can do our best to eliminate the psychological and mental barriers that get in the way of you reaching your physical fitness goals or other goals that you might have in your life as well. It might be performance or whatnot. So today I'm going to take on the big bear and this is probably the way in which we can help ourselves the most. It probably will cost us the least. It's probably one of the things that's the most obvious one facet of our daily lives, that's that's the most obvious, yet we neglect a great deal, especially in our complex world that we live in today with all the technology and all of our stressors and all of our commitments and everything else. And that is the concept of sleep. And with sleep, there are a million different ways that it can affect you cognitively, emotionally, physically. Sleep, folks, this is something that we cannot afford to neglect. This isn't a, a, ha- a want or a privilege. This is a have to. This is a need. This is something that we need to focus on. And people who say that they're going to sleep when they die, uh, that's kind of foolish thinking because uh, that death will come a lot sooner than you think. When I tell you about the impact that your sleep deprivation is going to have on you from a global standpoint... It's really going to be very eye-opening, and it's uh, it's going to put you it's going to put the fear of God into you because and rightfully so. We've got so many different areas that can really affect it. You're going to probably hear me talk about the core four that I follow, which is power, passion, purpose, and production. Power being your physical health, passion being your relationships, purpose being the way you think and your mindset, and production being your ways of making money, you know, working, earning, building things. And if you don't get the right amount of sleep, all four pillars, all four of those domains are going to be negatively affected and it's not going to turn out well for you. So basically, yeah, you want your relationships to be better, your physical shape, your mindset, your job and ability to make money to be better. Uh, you really need to hone in on making sure that you get the right amount of sleep and really trying to hone in on that. So I've had my own personal experience with sleep disorders, you know, and I'll be the first to tell you that sleep, if you want to know what is the thing that's putting the biggest ceiling, maybe putting the biggest cap, the greatest limiter on your strength, on your endurance, on any aspect of your performance, sleep deprivation is going to be your magical tool 
for alleviating a lot of these difficulties. I'm not saying it's going to solve all of your problems, but I'm willing to be willing to bet that some kind of lack of sleep or something in your sleep is holding you back. And that's why I'm going to go into this. And I've got a lot of personal experience because I've had experience with sleep apnea. And I was diagnosed initially with sleep apnea. It was right around the time my son was born back in 2008. And... It was a mild case at that point, and they didn't recommend CPAP therapy. Uh, a couple of years ago, I went back, and they did recommend CPAP therapy, and I responded well to it in the sleep lab. Uh, however, due to the discomfort of the CPAP machine, I, I blew it off after a while, and um, you know, it wasn't until earlier this year where my health basically took a dump on me, and I, you know, between that and then being constantly on my phone, returning messages or just, you know, playing stupid games or going down the rabbit hole of social media. You know, I'd find myself being on the phone till the wee hours of the morning and then, you know, waking up in the middle of the night and, you know, I want to go to use the restroom, bring the phone with me then. And you're looking at those blue screens and you're checking it. And so all in all, this was between sleep apnea and then looking at these blue screens and all these other distractions it ended up weakening my immune system and wreaked havoc on it, uh, affected my mood. I wasn't as productive, not getting stuff done, and put on a shit ton of weight. And all of those things combined, it just doesn't it doesn't work very well. So, I mean, that's just an example of how it's affected me physically. But I'm going to go into a little more detail about just how global the effects of sleep deprivation are. And this is why you really, really got to harness, uh, harness this issue or it's going to turn out badly for you. So, I mean, just from a cardiovascular standpoint, I mean, first of all, as a sleep apnea sufferer, I'll be the first to tell you, and they warn us about this all the time, if you don't treat sleep apnea, you're going to be running extra risk of stroking out. You're going to run the risk of having a heart attack. And, um, you know, you, you, there's some famous athletes out there like Reggie White who passed away from complications of sleep apnea. So it is something very deadly. It's, it's one of those conditions where you go to sleep and you don't wake up. And it's very frightening. So if you're somebody that snores a lot or you find yourself stopping breathing in the middle of the night or you stop breathing and you wake up with your heart racing, it's time to go get a sleep study because it's not something you want to mess around with. I've had some very scary moments myself and it, you just you, you don't mess with this. It's, it's a ticking time bomb if you're finding that happening. If you're waking up, if you're having a, a, a mild, low-grade kind of headache when you first wake up in the morning, there's a good chance that that might be due to hypoxia because you're not breathing enough at night. I mean, when I did a sleep study, they found that over the course of just a, a short matter of minutes, I don't know if it was a half hour or hour, but I stopped breathing 75 times. So very, very frightening. And the good news is there's there's a lot that you can do about it with a proper therapy. Uh, there's CPAP therapy out there. There's also uh, certain kind of dental solutions, mouthpieces you can put in. Um, definitely consult your doctor about those. Um, I don't claim to be an expert on those, but uh, there are physicians out there that are experts on those, and they can go a long way for you. Other cardiovascular effects. I mean, there's been some crazy studies out there, and you know, during the spring equinox, where we spring ahead, what happens? We lose an hour, and studies have found that when people were losing just the one hour of sleep, the rate of heart attacks was increasing by 24%. Conversely, during the vernal equinox in autumn, when we fall back, we gain the hour of sleep back, the rate of heart attacks went the other way and decreased by 21%. And so we had these same kind of patterns 
not just with heart attacks, but also with automotive accidents. And so clearly it's affecting us from a cardiovascular standpoint, from automotive accidents, it's affecting our ability to focus and to be alert and, you know, our executive function, make good decisions, our reflex, the reflexes and everything else. And so you know, from a cardiovascular standpoint, it can be absolutely disastrous. From an endocrine standpoint, this is really rough because if you're not getting enough sleep, basically you don't have enough energy. You're counting on your adrenaline to propel you when you need to get, the, get up and go to get you going in the morning and you don't have the energy because you're not well rested. You're counting on adrenaline to propel you and when we tax those adrenals, you want to talk about what's holding you up in terms of your physical fitness. We're producing a higher level of cortisol. You produce a higher level of cortisol. You operate this way, you know, and the stress that we have in our lives for a long period of time. And basically, cortisol is what causes us to store fat. Those of us that have belly fat, you know, that's that, you know, some of that is cortisol that's contributing to that. And if you operate with that stress on, on a, a long-term, a chronic, you know, period of time, and it's going to tax the adrenals, and you're going to go way past go. And eventually you might end up with adrenal fatigue, and this comes with a plethora of unpleasant physical symptoms, which once again, our immune system's compromised. You might start getting mouth sores. You might start just really totally hitting the wall. You may find yourself feeling exhausted at 6.30 or 7 in the evening and then getting a second wind around 9.30 or 10 at night and being awake. And it's adrenal fatigue. I, I've seen a lot of athletes go through it that have just done too much chronic cardio or done too many HIIT workouts, and it's, uh, it, it's a brutal thing to go through, and it, it can really uh, knock you out of the game for a while. So when you're not sleeping properly, it, it's from an endocrine standpoint, it's lousy. Not only that, but it kills your testosterone. If you're, if you're not getting sleep, they did a, a, a study of, of gentlemen who were getting only five hours of sleep versus the recommended seven hours, and they found that the people with five hours of sleep were finding that they had the testosterone levels of men that were 10 years their senior. And so what does this mean for you? This means, you know, we got higher cortisol, which means more belly fat. We don't have testosterone. That means your chances of putting on the good lean muscle mass are going to go down. That means your sexy time is going to get affected. It's going to affect your sex drive as a man. It's going to affect your ability to get an erection and perform. It's going to have some effects on females as well. So yes, it's from an endocrine standpoint, from the standpoint of your hormones, not something that you're going to want to mess with. And really something, you can, if, if you're finding that your T is down, if you're finding that it's affecting the bedroom, if you're you know, finding that you're not, you know, maybe you're going to the gym and you're not getting the effects you want, you need to sleep. And the program that I run you know, the, with Faster Way to Fat Loss, it's sleep is the number two priority. Nutrition's number one, but sleep even comes for exercise because it is that important. In terms of your getting energy, in terms of your recovery, in terms of how it affects other areas of your life, it, it, it affects your cognition. I mean, from as a psychologist, I, I can be the first to tell you that I've seen many patients that are sleep apnea sufferers or have other sleep disorders, and they come in with chronic depression. They don't have any energy. Um, I had a client that came in years ago, and he presented with very significant level of depression. Everything else in his life was good. He had a good family, good job, everything else. They did a shit ton of tests, you know, with this doctor that, you know, they, they were trying to figure out all, all these different possibilities of what was going on, see if there was any medical etiology for what was happening. And lo and behold, it, as it turned out, 
uh, sleep apnea was the root of his depression. And then uh, once he started CPAP therapy and started successfully treating this, then the depression went away. And so there's a big tie between depression and sleep disorders. And sometimes it can be a very vicious cycle because if we're not sleeping well, we get depressed. And oftentimes when we get depressed, we have more problems sleeping. And basically, psychiatric disorders, pretty much all psychiatric disorders have, disorders have some form of sleep dysfunction. Um, there's also a, a big tie between uh, sleep apnea or sleep disorders and anxiety and irritability. And basically, researchers have found also that people with chronic insomnia, they have a very high risk of developing an anxiety disorder. And you know, once again, a vicious cycle. Lack of sleep can make you more edgy and more anxious, maybe an anxiety disorder. And then when you're anxious and you're feeling fearful all the time and apprehensive and worrying and, you know, you start having those racing thoughts go through your mind while you're laying in bed at night staring at the ceiling after all the other distractions uh, during your day have subsided and you don't have anything else to focus on. And yeah, you're gonna, that anxiety is going to keep you up late at night. And so the anxiety and the depression, you know, they can go hand in hand with the sleep dysfunction and they present this vicious cycle back and forth, and it can really put you in a downward spiral very, very quickly. Um, another area that you got to watch for, and I kind of alluded to this earlier with the car accidents, is cognition. Um, basically, we got to make sure we get enough sleep, you know, especially if you're trying to study, we're trying to learn new things. Um, I know I've been trying to do a lot of reading lately and really trying to cultivate the mind more after taking a hiatus from picking up books since graduate school, which was probably, uh, yeah, over a decade. And, but if you want to actually retain what you're reading, you've got to have good sleep both before and after you're studying. You know, they've, they always told you in college, you need to study right before bed and then go to sleep because that'll help you encode the information in your brain better. But you also have to have adequate sleep before you start studying. And otherwise you're not going to have the focus. You're not going to have the attention. Uh, things aren't going to get into your brain in the first place. So you got to have adequate sleep both before and after you're reading and studying, and um, otherwise it's not going to that's not going to pan out for you. Um, I just heard a recent TED talk, and uh, there's sleep deprivation can cause a lot of difficulty for kids as well. And I mean, sometimes they were finding differences of up to a forty percent difference in performance uh, on certain academic exams for kids who were sleep deprived versus getting regular sleep. I mean, forty percent that's that's mind boggling. You know, you talk talking 40%, that's the difference between really acing the test and passing with flying colors versus flunking and flunking pretty miserably. So, I mean, I can't say enough about the effects of sleep and how it's going to affect all areas of your, of your performance, all areas of your health. Um, other thing they found was that certain types of cancer, you know, people that do shift work and are working night shifts or overnight shifts, they're at such an increased risk of cancer that sleep deprivation has actually been labeled to be a quote-unquote carcinogen, you know, which means a, a cancer-causing agent. That's how strong of a risk factor it is. That's how much it contributes to people uh, developing uh, cancer and you know, at least certain types. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the effects that sleep can have on you know, us or the lack thereof. Um, those of you that are, are struggling waking, once again, you know, we might be doing all the right things. We might be dieting. We're watching our macros. We're doing the workouts, you know, right as our trainer lays them out for us. But somehow we're still gaining weight, and there's biological explanations behind that. Um, you know, getting into a little bio, I mean, sleep deprivation, this is going to reduce our levels of a hormone called leptin. 
What's leptin? Leptin is a hormone that actually suppresses the appetite and encourages the body to expend energy. Um, so if we are not sleeping well, we have lowered leptin levels. And what happens here is we're going to be at risk for weight gain. And once again, this can lead to a vicious cycle because lack of sleep is going to lead to us gaining weight. And this in turn can cause us to have sleep apnea because the more you gain weight, especially if you get more you know, thickness around the neck oftentimes, and so this can lead to sleep apnea and then even worse sleep, and that can send you into a further downward spiral as far as gaining weight you know, because you're not going to have the energy, you're not going to be sleeping well, you're not going to have the motivation. And so again, something that you cannot let slide. So... One of the more interesting findings that I was just reading about uh, also is the effects that sleep can have in terms of pain and pain management and your experience of pain. And, you know, we, we talked about, you know, the, the effect it can have on different systems within your body and your immune system and disease and cancer and, of course, affects your cognition, your emotions. But uh, not just that, but the neurological effects it can have when it comes to pain and They've done a, a ton of studies now, and now they're showing that people who are sleep-deprived, they have 120% more activity in the somatosensory cortex. And what's that? That's the area of the brain, the region of the cerebral cortex that interprets basically what pain feels like. So you've got 120% more activity in that area where you're feeling the pain. Not only that, but you have 60 to 90% drops in areas of the brain that are supposed to dampen pain. These two areas known as the insula and the striatum, basically these areas responsible for dampening the pain, they're having 60 to 90% drops in their, uh, in, in their activity. So you're activating all the parts that are making you feel the pain and you're deactivating the parts that are helping you to modulate it. So from a chronic pain standpoint, I mean, you're, you're putting yourself at a big disadvantage. If you're trying to get fit and you're trying to get ripped, um, you got to get these parts of the brain, the insulin striatum working at max capacity. Otherwise you're not going to be able to carry out the workouts and you're sure as hell not going to be able to recover from them. And so what does all this, uh, mean for us in terms of what we have to do? Well, first of all, put the fucking phone away and I'll be the first to say I'm, I'm still guilty of it. Not to as great of an extent. Um, I've been, uh, advised by management, uh, that I need to, management meaning a uh, uh, lady friend here at home, that I need to put the damn phone away because uh, it's, you know, it's disruptive uh, to her. But, you know, more importantly, it's, it's affecting my sleep and it, it makes it harder for me to either get to sleep or remain asleep. So put the phone away. I mean, I, I still, for safety reasons, you know, like to have my phone by me in case something happens at night. But, um, you know, if you can, put the phone out of reach. Um, you know, put the phone on silent if you have to. I mean, anybody in your contacts that's in your favorites, they can still reach you if you got your phone on, on the sleep mode. Secondly, if you can't get to sleep at night, and this is a big one, and something a lot of people aren't willing to do because when you're tired, if you're laying there and you can't get to sleep, then get up and go somewhere else in the house um, so that you do not associate your bedroom as being a place of wakefulness. That's the last thing that you want to happen. That That's the reason that you shouldn't be playing with your phone in bed or watching TV in bed because then your bedroom is going to be something that your brain associates with other activities and you should be um, 
you know, your, your, your brain should be associating that bedroom with going to sleep. Uh, third, from a temperature standpoint, the body sleeps better when it's cold. So I always do this before I go to bed. I usually click the AC down a few notches, a few degrees, and uh, your body's more likely to be able to get into a restful, you know, state of sleep if you keep things at cooler temperature. Four, treat anxiety and depression accordingly. I mean, uh, talk about uh, and address the issues that are keeping you awake at night. Because oftentimes, like I said, the floodgates open after we don't have any other distractions. And all of those issues that are going on during our day, they start to manifest themselves at night. You know, we start stressing about the next day or the next week or whatever's happening in the future. And, you know, sleep disturbance with, with both depression and anxiety, they're some of the cardinal symptoms that you're ever going to find. So, um, really, you know, go to therapy, um, you know, talk to a mental health professional and get with your physician about really treating the depression, anxiety, or, or whatever, you know, psychiatric condition that you're up against and, and treating them properly. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of psychotropic medications as a psychologist, but they do have their place. I, I'd rather people treat things with psychotherapy first and try to work through things. You know, we're a, we're a quick fix society, so everybody wants the pill and to be better yesterday. Um, but uh, as as a psychologist, I'm more about people learning the skills so that they have them for now and, they, and for later. Um, but, you know, as a client, I got to have someone that's willing to do the work. Some people are willing to do the work, some aren't. The ones that are, they're going to have a lot better prognosis. So get the mental health issues treated if you want to sleep better. Like I said, our main goal, you know, this podcast is trying to eliminate the barriers that get in the way from your physical progress, you're meeting your fitness goals, your performance goals. Um, and like I said, your, you know, oftentimes your mental health goals or your mental health issues are going to get in the way. You're, they're going to cause a psychological barrier. Um, and that psychological barrier is actually going to turn into a physical barrier because of the effects it's going to have on your sleep. So finally, um, actually I got two more things. Keep a regular sleep schedule. I mean, whether it's a weekday or a weekend, make an effort to get up and go to bed around the same time every day and night. I mean, this, you know, lately I've been getting up early because I mean, that's a whole other story, but, um, I'm, I'm of the school of thought, uh, you know, after a while you become your parents, you know, early bird gets the worm. I'm doing 75 hard right now. And I'm finding that to, you know, check everything off the list and do it and do it well. If the earlier I get up and start exercising, taking the selfies and, uh, you know, drinking the water and reading the pages, you know, the more of those things that I can knock out by noontime, the easier it is for me to meet the goals. And so lately, typically, you know, if I'm getting up at 530, I'm able to knock out a good share of everything. I've got more than half of my water consumed, the pages are red, I've got the outdoor workout done, and so usually by uh, late afternoon, by 4 or 5 o'clock, the last workout's been done, the second workout, and uh, usually right around 5, 6 o'clock, the, the gallon of water has been consumed, and so um, I'm doing that during the week, and I was up 5.30 in the morning, 5, 5.30 in the morning on the weekends as well. You know, it's, it's a schedule that I've settled into, and in doing that, it's forced me to put the phone away and put the distractions away and get to bed earlier at night. So my sleep function's actually gotten a lot better. 
So, yes, keep a regular sleep schedule. I know you're, you're thinking, oh, on the weekend I'm supposed to go to bed at 9, get up at 5, 5.30. Um, ideally, yes. Uh, I know in a perfect world, uh, you know, that's that's what we would be doing. I know realistically people have things going on, on the weekends and they want to go out. But, um, you know, if, if you're going to keep a completely different schedule on the weekend, don't be surprised that when Monday and Tuesday come that uh, you're feeling like shit. And you might not drink much, but because of your sleep schedule, you're feeling hungover from the weekend. And there's a reason why Monday mornings are when heart attacks happen the most. You know, because you're transitioning and you're probably shortchanging your sleep because you did all that activity on the weekend. And you didn't give yourself a chance to rest and then that alarm goes off early Monday. And that's when your adrenals kick in and sometimes the adrenals kick in and the fight or flight kicks in and... That's when sometimes the people that aren't in very good health end up having a heart attack. So lastly, you know, I, and I can't emphasize this enough because, like I said, this is something that can kill you. It can cause you to have a stroke. It can have you a heart attack. Uh, it can cause you to just plain old stop breathing, go to bed, and not wake up. And so if you suspect sleep apnea, if you or your loved one are snoring, if you are waking up with low-grade headaches in the morning, if you're waking up with your heart racing um, – you know, th this stuff is scary. It's not something that you want to mess with. I mean, if you're getting seven, eight hours of sleep and then you're finding that you're still not feeling refreshed the next day, you might be sleeping. But if you're not getting enough oxygen, that hypoxia is going to really affect your stamina and you aren't getting the, the restful benefits of the sleep. And so contact your physician and they can get you networked in with a... Um, um, a pulmonologist and they can do a sleep study or sometimes the ear, nose and throat doctors, they can refer you for a sleep study and then you can get to the bottom and find out if there really is a, uh, a disturbance there as far as your ability to breathe. And then you can get the right kind of treatment. It will save your life. It will rejuvenate you. And, um, you know, it, it can really give you your quality of life back. And like I said before, when you are treating sleep apnea, you are going to notice a change you know, your mood and anxiety symptoms will go away. Your <clears throat> energy levels are going to go through the roof. And you're going to find that uh, that weight gain that you were having, like I said, because the leptin levels were affected. And not only that, but your energy and motivation were affected. Um, you're going to find that that weight gain issue isn't going to be as much of an issue anymore. So anyhow, that's uh, that's what I got for you as far as sleep. I mean, I, I just can't emphasize enough taking care of this. Um, this is the magic elixir for fixing many of your issues. Like I said, not all of them, but if you want to get a handle on your performance, you know, if you, if you want to eliminate that ceiling or that cap on your performance, on your strength, on your endurance, this is the best place to start and working on getting the proper rest that is the best gift that you can give yourself that's all i got for now guys and thank you for listening appreciate you guys once again if you gained any value here and if anything resonated with you please leave a five-star review and tell a friend and refer them to the podcast and subscribe. 
And we've got lots more coming your way. Uh, some great guests lined up for, uh, in the near future here. So, everybody, make it a great week. And as always, be good to yourselves. <laughs>